0: We have a really nice list of many, many great qualities to look for in a supervisor. But before we start, we first want to talk about you, our listener. Because if you are looking for a supervisor for either your PhD or maybe your postdoc or really any job you want where you have a boss, it is really important to think about what you need at this point in your career. Welcome everybody to the 55th episode of the Struggling Scientist Podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science-adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Donna, and I'm here with my co-host, Jero. Hi. In this episode, we're going to talk about what to look for in a good supervisor. Your supervisor is a crucial part of your PhD or postdoc, or really any job that you get, and it's really hard to know what to look for. We're going to be talking about what questions to ask, how to find out more information, and how to figure out what you need in a supervisor. So let's start! So, Jaron, how did we land on this topic?
1: Uh, so, full transparency, we were being super productive by doom scrolling on social media. <laughs> and we regularly came across posts from people either hating or loving their, their supervision that they received during their PhD. So, naturally, being the researchers that we are, we started to wonder what actually makes for a good supervisor. And do people even agree on what's important or needed to be a good supervisor? So, we wanted to dive into a l- little bit of that.
0: Yes, it's definitely a heavily debated topic on social media, uh, especially with some of the anonymity that social media can provide, of course. And having a supervisor that doesn't match with your personality or needs can cause really, really big problems. We really see a very big divide with people who are super happy with their supervisors, who feel supported, who get the necessary resources, who get the time and space to develop themselves as academics. But then there's also a big group of academics, PhD students, who say they hate their PhD or have quit their PhD. Sometimes saying that it's because they're supervisors and they didn't feel like they got the support they needed. Uh, Their personality sometimes didn't mesh up well. And uh, sometimes there's also different outlooks on what academia should be and what the goals are. So getting a good supervisor can really have a big influence on your PhD. Maybe not necessarily about how Good, the quality of the science is, but more about your personal well-being and your happiness during the PhD. And that's, of course, also really important because a PhD is hard and it is a struggle, as we like to say.
1: Yes. So with that said, we decided to make an episode where we could discuss our opinions on what what to look for in a good supervisor and maybe even more important, how to find out more information about what a potential good supervisor is so we also asked our, decided to ask our fans, both on Twitter and Instagram, what they thought a good supervisor is or what is important for a good su- supervisor. And of course, we're going to discuss all of that here.
0: Yes. Now, we have a really nice list of many, many great qualities to look for in a supervisor. But before we start, we first want to talk about you, our listener. Because if you are looking for a supervisor for either your PhD or maybe your postdoc or really any job you want where you have a boss, It is really important to think about what you need at this point in your career. Because if you're a PhD student, you might want a supervisor that is a little bit more involved and really good at keeping a good project on track when you are maybe not yet as uh, equipped at this. But if you're a postdoc, you might want a little bit more freedom and you want your supervisor to give you some space to do this. And you also need to find out what fits you in terms of your personality. How well do you handle feedback and in what way do you prefer to get it? Do you want to work more in a team with a postdoc and have them as your daily supervisor? What would your ideal situation look like? How many times a month, a week would you get supervision? Are you a really independent person? Do you need more supervision? All of that are things you need to think about. And you also need to realize that it's really important that this answer is different for every person. So a supervisor who might work well with one PhD student might not be the best fit for you. And of course, you only have basically an interview or limited resources to find out what a supervisor is like. There's also, of course, going to be some give and take because your supervisor also has stressors in their work life and personal life that they have to go through uh, deadlines for grants that they're really stressed about. And they're not always going to be the perfect mentor that they maybe really, really want to be. So it's always important to remember that everybody is just human and that everybody can have difficult periods in their life uh, where it is important that you just give a little bit more effort to support the other, even if you think as a PhD student that might be not, not your job yet. We're all just humans in the end. Yes.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I agree completely. But having said that, we, of course, do want to talk about some of, some of the qualities that we we and our fans think are very important for good supervisors to have in general. And while we go through this list, maybe it's also helpful to start figuring out and thinking about what matters most for you. So yeah, we have a really nice list of qualities that we're gonna be discussing first. And then after that, we'll go over how to find out more about your potential supervisor and the things uh, to consider from there.
0: Yes. Okay, so let's start out with the quality list. Okay, so the first one is strong mentoring skills. Uh, And this was also found really important by our fans. Out of the four options, it got 60% of all the votes. So it was a really, really popular option. Uh, And of course, with all the things that come with academia and things that supervisors have to deal with, it can be uh, really important to find a supervisor that really prioritizes mentoring uh, in their daily schedule and in their life. uh, In whatever form that you would like it to be, of course. And that can also be just helping students develop skills and knowledge or recommending courses or workshops that they might be interested in and just help them develop what they need, uh, help when things go wrong and just just good mentoring in general, which is a, a skill that every supervisor should learn.
1: Yes. So yeah, that brings us then to our second point. Um, which came in a distant second to, I think, both of our surprise, uh, namely Mm -hmm. effective communication skills. This is a super important skill for your PhD supervisor to have, to be able to communicate clearly and effectively with their students, yet... At least our fans rated it rather lowly, I would say. Uh, well,
0: it's a second.
1: Yes, but at 16.6%. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the mentoring skills just got up so high that the rest is all a little bit lower.
1: Okay, for uh, you can ignore all the other things, that all the other qualities, just focus on mentoring skills. Uh, just yeah. joking, of course.
0: But matching communication is, I think, really important and understanding... What the other person is actually trying to say is really, really important.
1: No, for sure, I agree, and that's why I'm honestly surprised that this came as low as it did. Because I think you can be an amazing mentor, but if you if you're not really able to communicate mm. what you you're, you intend to do with your 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 student, or you
0: always sound very strict or yes, yeah. yeah,
1: and especially with cultural differences as well. Maybe you you mean to say something, but the other person interprets it a certain way, or uh, that's why I think it's important to really have effective communication skills and understand like these these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah it's uh, interesting to note that it only came in in 16.1% I guess
0: yeah and I think feedback and things like that also mm. fall a little bit under communication skills and how to best do that yes for sure okay next one ex- expertise and knowledge in the field which is I think the first thing everybody judges right if, if the group that you're considering is like a good group to go to and they actually know what they're doing uh, it got 12% out of our out of our little poll. And of course it is important that your supervisor has the knowledge. But it's not going to be the most important in terms of your life quality, I would say, <laughs> during your PhD. It's of course really important to get good papers and after your PhD. But during the PhD, I think expertise and knowledge in the field is maybe a little bit less important. So that's why I'm not surprised that it only got 12%.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it it might be adequately rated. I I I think we, especially at the beginning, when we're applying for PhD positions, we might be thinking like it's it's a very important thing, mm. and maybe in that sense we're overrating it in the beginning. But as we go through our PhD, we I think start rating it more adequately. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that brings us then to our next point: accessibility and availability to their students and and mm. colleagues. This is very important. I mean, obviously, if you cannot even reach your PhD supervisor, is it, does, does it even matter that you have one then? Yes. Yeah. So it's very important to be accessible to your students, especially when they really need you. Or and or and
0: I've heard of some problems of like this happening and other priorities being set instead of you needing to hand in your thesis and whatever. That that no. that gets hard very fast, and it's yeah. always very sad to see that in other PhD students.
1: No, for sure, and I think this is. It, it really depends on the person as well, right? Because you, you have some people who can really just run with their projects and mm-hmm. like do everything. But there are just moments where you need to touch base with your, with your supervisor to, to, you know, see what they think or to get approval for something or, you know, you need yeah. them. Uh, and that can be hard if you don't have them readily available. Yet surprisingly, this one came in sort of dead last in the poll of four options at 11%.
0: Uh, <laughs> I think we all just think we are very, very self-sufficient people.
1: I also think maybe it's because a lot of people maybe take for granted the fact that their supervisors are there. Maybe mm. they have supervisors that are always there. So it's just like, well, they, they can be a little less there.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so maybe it's also that. Um, but yeah, I think if, you do, if your supervisor isn't there, you'll notice it. <laughs> It'll hurt yeah,
0: well, there, there are certain moments in your PhD where everything is going well, and then you don't want to be micromanaged, mm-hmm. but then at the same moment when it's not going well, you really, really, really want more supervision, and then it's also not there. So, yeah. difficult, difficult. Yes. Okay. Now, those were the four options of our poll. So, the rest of them we don't actually have a rating for, but we do have some more qualities. The next one is actually organizational and time management skills. And a good PhD supervisor should be well organized and able to manage their time effectively, but also your time and needs to know when to stop a project or when to uh, pivot a little bit in the research and maybe not keep doing an experiment over and over and over again until it still doesn't work. So just project management skills, I would actually call it, are important for a PhD supervisor. Of course, it is a skill that you are also supposed to learn during the process of your project, but it really, really helps if you have a good example in that.
1: No, I agree. I mean, it also depends, right? I mean, not everyone picks these up as quickly or f- what? Mm. how your supervisor works might not necessarily be the best way sure. that you would work. And so th- I think it's definitely hard to pick up, especially from someone else like that. Um, But it's a very important skill and it's just, it's really hard to rate what works well for you in that sense uh, with Mm. your supervisor, because this is, they might have something that works really well for them, but doesn't work at all for you. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Yes. Yes. So that brings us then to our next quality, namely flexibility and adaptability. So a good PhD supervisor should also be rather flexible and, well, adaptable to the circumstances as they happen, able to adjust their approach or uh, meet the needs of the individual student uh, as it comes up. Because sometimes, you know, forest fires tend to happen. Uh,
0: I think it's also a lot that, I mean, as as a a PhD student, you need different things from your supervisor. So your supervisor then also needs to adapt to each PhD students that they have a little bit differently. And that is that is hard. I mean, I supervised students and every student I had was very, very differently. And every time at the beginning I had to sort of figure out Mm -hmm. what worked and what didn't work and how we could communicate well and how not to do things. So I think that flexibility and adaptability is also just learning to work together and learning to, to figure out each other. Also from the PhD student side, of course, to figure out how to communicate well with your supervisor and what they like and what they don't like and how they want to see data presented and things like that.
1: No, I agree. But I uh, just also think like, obviously, depending, you uh, supervisor might have PhD students at different stages, right? So you mm. could be at the end finishing your thesis and then they're involved like reading it, uh, give providing feedback or one PhD student could be busy Uh, finishing up a paper and the revision side of that Mm. so that also needs to happen urgently so i think a a good phd supervisor also needs to be able to pivot and prioritize in that sense uh where where their attention their focus and um yeah goes to a certain extent
0: true and the focus might not always be on you
1: yeah that's the unfortunate part
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay Next one is, uh, a supervisor needs to be supportive and encouraging and have an encouraging attitude. Because of course, there are difficult moments in your PhD where you might not have the greatest motivation anymore because things, just your experiments failed or all your samples were left outside of the freezer or things like that. And especially in my case, it really helped that I had a supportive supervisor who just was like, it's okay. It's all going to be fine. Tomorrow we'll we'll work on this again. We will start over and it's going to be okay. And that helps so much.
1: Go make those samples all over (laughs) (laughs)
0: again. That is what it in the end means, yes. Yes. (laughs) That's also not their fault, you know? (laughs) Okay.
1: Yes. No, uh, yeah, so now we're going to be switching on to how to find out more about what a potential supervisor is like. Because knowing what you need is one thing, of course. But you also need to actually get the accurate information that you need to make the best possible decision mm. for yourself. So, And uh, especially
0: when I started out applying for different PhD positions, I had no idea that I had to maybe look a little bit further than just, oh, this is interesting research that I want to do.
1: Yeah, true. I think back in our back in our old days of like applying for the PhD, <laughs> we didn't
0: know any better. No,
1: just like we saw an open position, it's like let's apply. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this is cool science! Yes, I really want to work on that. Mm-hmm.
1: Meet some people, like they're not ni- they're nice. Yeah. Yes, they're nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, during in our case, it's very much like a job interview, and people are gonna be on their best behavior. And if you didn't have an internship or or in the same department or same area and you know a little bit about them um you can find out some surprising things later didn't happen luckily to us but you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> just just putting it out there right? <laughs> so, not everybody
0: is as lucky as we have clearly found out on social media also from everybody well yeah,
1: yeah. no social media has definitely uh, uh, elucidated that for us uh, yes quite a bit. so what would be the first thing uh, for for pg <laughs> students to ah. look to
0: I, during my during my application process, really nicely got the opportunity to talk with the current PhD students, but even the technicians and the postdocs of the lab in like private conversations. So not really one on one, but like just with all the PhD students at once. And luckily, those PhD students were really nice and also guiding me in a bit of the direction that um, I needed. ask these questions so in that case i did really ask okay what what type of supervisor is this like what type of mentoring is happening here how often what what am i in for and i would really really recommend uh having a talk with the current phd students maybe even going to lunch with them or or something something like that and it's also really not a bad thing to ask for because it looks like you are actually really interested in the position and you want to know more about the lab. So I would almost say that if that is not a positive thing in the eyes of the, the supervisor to ask for, that is maybe a little bit of a red flag.
1: For sure. Uh, did you actually end up going to lunch with... Uh... Oh, yes. No.
0: no, no, no. But in our group, we do it with every new candidate because also our opinion is really val- uh, Like
1: Value valued. Valued.
0: To to find people to hire, just because we get a little bit of a different impression than our our professor gets when he just has a one-on-one conversation with a with an applicant. Mm-hmm. So our opinion is also really valued valued in that sense.
1: You, know, you take them to the lunch.
0: <laughs> yeah, the professor actually p- pays for their lunch. Oh so. ah, okay,
1: it's a, it's a <laughs> grilling. <laughs> they don't know. That no, being we really
0: try to <laughs> also ask questions if they have ever thought about. In the in the case of we are the uh, the PhD students and they're applying, we really try to ask questions about what type of supervision do you like and what would you need and and what kind of person are you and then we also give our opinion if that fits with our if with our professor and his style because also for a professor or a supervisor it's horrible to end up with a PhD student for four years that doesn't fit easily with their personality because then they are constantly trying to adapt to that and trying to figure out how to work with that. Yeah. So it's from both sides is a difficult situation.
1: Yeah, for sure. I just have one more practical question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so do do you as the PhD students take them on lunch, and then the postdocs take them on lunch, or like how does this? No, do, you know, usually
0: one group at the, uh, takes them to lunch, and the other groups all talk with them for half an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly also like a really long process always because there's always three candidates that we talk with, and it like literally takes up an entire morning per candidate. But mm-hmm. um it's always a lot of fun and also really great to feel appreciated as as the people in the lab and our opinions are appreciated so mm. could recommend also to supervisors definitely ask your people to do that pay for the lunch <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> key key uh, key yeah. takeaway from this
0: okay our next one
1: yes so, while the one that you just discussed was uh, the most popular option between the, the, the ones... That oh, were...
0: yeah. It got almost 50% of the votes, right?
1: Yes. It dominated. <laughs> this next one is, I think, the least popular one, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is to ask the, the supervisor about their own supervision style. And now you might be thinking this might be a little bit biased. I mean, of course, they're going to paint uh, rainbows and rose-colored, uh, every like neon cats or something. Um, but I think this is actually a very underrated and overlooked way of getting to know your supervisor, because by asking them about it, you can actually well, learn more about how they think about their supervision and what they at least aim to, what's their intent with their supervision. Have they even thought about how they come across as a supervisor, uh, if they mm. adapt to their PhD students, or are they adamant that they're just, you know, you don't, Brilliant. they don't, yeah, that they don't need coaching. They've done this before. They publish great papers. That's all that really matters. Uh, when it comes to supervision um so of course if this this way of just asking them like what can they, what can you expect from them as a supervisor won't give you a 100% perfect picture of what your next couple mm. of years as a pg student is going to be but it does help in at least getting you some information from the source right it's no longer just trying to interpret vague signs from your your supervisor yeah. is just like This is what I think. This is what I plan to do. This is what I've done so far. (laughs) And it
0: it can get you a real answer on how much they value the mentorship aspects of their jobs. And Mm -hmm. that's like one of the qualities we were looking for. So I definitely think that that will give you a lot of information on that topic.
1: No, for sure. But uh, surprisingly, only 2.2% of people thought this was that. uh, (laughs) So, but yeah, that uh, just wanted to mention that one. Okay. What's up next, Ruzon?
0: The next option was to do an internship. At a group that you might be interested in staying.
1: That does sound like a big commitment.
0: That does sound like a big commitment, especially if you weren't lucky enough to perhaps get a position at the one that you already did internship. And then to do another internship unpaid often, that's intense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would always recommend finding internships at at groups that you would consider staying at. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a possibility. Then you already know a little bit about your future supervisor. I mean, you can also find out that it's not the right fit for you in that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I, I am surprised it got 10% of the, of the votes. But I'm surprised it's such a popular option. Because, uh, yes, I think it is a great way to do it. If, it, if you are the, a lucky one. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it works out like that for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I, mm. I, I I agree with you that it probably doesn't work out for a lot of people. What I have heard of is people who let's say they do an internship in one group or one department, and then they end up doing their PhD, for example, in another group or a department mm. that's very closely associated. That the, like you're the PI that you internship with. Definitely use
0: your contacts yes. of your internship to also also if you're just applying for a group, just ask if they happen to know this person or like
1: yeah. What are they like, what are they working on, are mm. they nice, like stuff like that. And that can go a long way,
0: of course. True, true, true. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools.
1: Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real, verified information that you can then also check the source of.
0: Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list.
1: And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of... dot and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount.
0: Although I have also had multiple friends who did become a PhD student in the group. Mm -hmm. And you do have to realize that the dynamics change a lot.
1: (laughs) That's playing on hard
0: mode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... The, the, the things, that your responsibilities as a PhD student are very different than mm-hmm. during an internship. Uh, your relationships change a lot because most supervisors, professors, PIs really enjoy having students and just teaching. And that's somebody that everybody loves, right? Mm. But then when you become a PhD student, all of a sudden, they have a lot riding on you also. Mm. And that just really changed, changes the dynamics and it's not going to be exactly the same as in your internship. And that can be a hard lesson to learn sometimes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would always go in with like the, the, the mindset of like, it's Gordon Ramsay with kids versus Gordon Ramsay with like adults. <laughs> like maybe that, that's more of a realistic...
0: <laughs> yeah, there's not, nothing against, against master students. But we all like master students. They come, they come to learn, they're enthusiastic, they're fun. But if their experiment works out or not... That's really not really of consequence to anything we're doing. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's great if we can use the the results, but if it doesn't work out, that's also fine. Very different when you're a PhD student, because then you need your papers, you need your supervisor, needs the results. It just just becomes a a different world.
1: Yes, no, for sure. So when we originally ran this poll, we had those three options and we had a fourth option, which is to do all three of the ones that we had just mentioned. And surprisingly almost 40% of people voted for to do all all the three mm. things to to figure out if the, your supervisor the is the right one for you. So it's not enough to just do an internship with them. You need to do all four of them according to <laughs> the four, 40% of people.
0: I think I think for the first two I would definitely do both.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would find as many avenues as you can to find out more information and and to to like learn. Mm-hmm. But the internship one, that's... It's a that's, tougher yeah. one, yeah. You,
1: no, you don't always have the access to that one. What you do always have access to is trying to find your professor's MySpace account and finding them like that.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> MySpace? MySpace, yeah. No, you, didn't, you don't know about MySpace?
1: I mean, that's old, right? But That's
0: uh, very old. Yes, exactly.
1: But that's how you know where they started. Or <laughs> Facebook. I mean, that's also exact, old.
0: That, that might be, yeah.
1: But what kind of song on their MySpace account also tells you something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Jaron. We do have another one that is was suggested mm-hmm. also on the polls. And the one that I also would really recommend is to talk with previous PhD students. Perhaps also the ones that quit before they got their PhD. Maybe you can check out what the rate is of the supervisor and how many of his PhD students actually finished his PhD. That also can tell you a lot. But... Asking previous students that have no ties anymore to the lab can also be a really valuable source of information.
1: Yeah, they're they they're they're not necessarily biased in a sense, mm. and they might give you like the, the the "quote unquote" the worst case scenario if things mm. don't work out. Uh.
0: They might also so important to realize is that the last part of the PhD is the hardest mm-hmm. for everybody, and maybe that paints the whole PhD. Uh, experience in a bit of a harsher light so it might also just be a little bit harsher i think if you talk to previous PhD students just because of that last part
1: (laughs) yeah no i i guess um i also think it it depends right i mean if it's a student who a PhD student who didn't finish or left Mm. the lab or whatever and maybe moved on to another job or whatever. They might not necessarily want to to highlight the fact that they were once in that lab, or so it could be also kind of harder in that sense to find them at times. Uh, mm.
0: And it's another thing that is yes, it's harder to find them. I mean, you can try on LinkedIn, but it or on the the website of mm. the or on the papers, of course, also yep. a really good option. And then afterwards, find them on LinkedIn. But it was what is also really important to realize is that that it didn't work, perhaps for one PhD student doesn't mean that with your personality it might not work well. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about this this connection that you need to have and the communication that needs to fit. So I wouldn't take one person's like negative mm-hmm. negativity.
1: One person's negative review effectively. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I would I would try to collect like a, a real good like at least five reviews (laughs) 650 (laughs) from amazon (laughs) yeah exactly get get some proper reviews before making your decisions and try also not to let it taint you too much in trying to get to know this this new person that might be your supervisor yes because yes it's very important to get all this information but you always need to ask also okay this didn't work for you why don't you think it worked for you And then think about if this would work for you because maybe you are more independent than the other person or the other way around or you want more supervision and then it's great that you get to meet every week or so that is really important to always loop it back to what you need and what you want.
1: Just be careful not to be just a stubborn person who just says like, I can do this. I'm tough. Buddy. We are <laughs> all like that. <laughs> especially so we in the are beginning. all
0: like that. That is okay. Okay. <laughs> First
1: day of the PG Tree papers doesn't sound like a lot. I can do that. That's <laughs> like you yeah, have more than one in a year for per paper. That's easy peasy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We all think we're we're amazing and we're just gonna write Right through this, you know. Why we are, are people- going to be that, that amazing PhD students who just finishes cum laude with six papers.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, writing is easy. Why are so many people complaining about it? Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it is for sure a struggle. Uh, it's gonna It can be a fun struggle at times.
1: A fun struggle. A fun struggle.
0: Huh? I enjoy a struggle <laughs> every once in a while. PhD might be a, bit, a little bit more than every once in a while, but I can enjoy a good struggle.
1: We're all secretly just masochists. <laughs>
0: okay well um, that was our last tip and we hope you enjoyed this episode and perhaps learned something useful if you have any questions suggestions, comments you can reach us via our website thestronglingscientist.com you can also check out our website for some really cool science-inspired merch and to sign up for the awesome journal of Struggling Scientist aka our newsletter and if you have enjoyed this episode then leave us a rating as it helps our podcast grow and we would love that Um, You can also follow us on social media. Share on which ones are those again.
1: Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, and Mastodon. And YouTube. And YouTube.
0: That counts as social media, right? I I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you again next time. Bye. Bye.